0: Welcome into the A to Z Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Householder, joined by Alex Sutton, bringing you your fantasy football content from A to Z. Thanks for tuning in. up everyone welcome back into another episode of the a to z fantasy football podcast i'm joined as always by alex sutton how you doing my brand
1: hydrating and migrating
0: dude that's good to hear so we had my bachelor party last weekend that was fun as hell Uh, i appreciate you for setting all that up that was a great time you are my best man in my upcoming wedding which is a whole saga of itself long story short i was supposed to get married june 5th uh, my fiance has chronic pain issues. So that has been moved up to May 15th. I'm getting married next weekend. It is currently Thursday, 10 20 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I get married in a week, in like two days. So pretty wild. That's wild stuff. I'm excited. I'm excited. But uh, the bachelor party last weekend was a blast, man. Uh, so we went go karting, top golf, escape room, which was rigged as hell, and then a pedal pub. Give me some of your highlights. I'll go through some of my highlights.
1: Dude, that pedal bar, I think, has to be the top highlight of my night. I mean, I had never done one before, so it could have either gone really good or it could have gone really bad. But everybody I talked to said they always had fun on them, so I thought it was worth a shot. But it got it got pretty rowdy. Yeah, dude. It got pretty rowdy.
0: Potential highlight of the entire weekend was Neil, our buddy, who had to pee. <laughs> but they would not stop. So, Neil... I've never seen fear in a man's face like that.
1: It was just so much
0: panic. Legit contemplated pissing himself. (laughs) Held it together, but just hopped off. We stopped at a red light. He hops off the pedal pub, walks in circles frantically, (laughs) and then just takes off down the street to find a place to pee. And we left him there. We were just a couple blocks away from where we were going to end up. But that was so funny just to watch all that unfold. That was that was great.
1: So I enjoyed every minute of it too, man. Just watching the the sheer pain and like panic that he was going through. I mean, I had to pee. Nate had to pee. We all had to pee. You know, he just had to go real bad. Oh yeah, I've never seen it like at that point. And then you
0: tipped our driver twenty bucks for leaving him there. So, <laughs> good stuff there. Um, I also enjoyed everything else. Uh, go karting was fun. Shout out to Dylan for for beating me in the Saquon Barkley mobile. Uh, his cart was uncatchable. Number twenty six um top golf man i was crushing six irons to the to the back trench so that felt pretty good but uh, overall i sucked pretty bad which is about par for the course for me um, no a pun intended. Uh, i had a back-to-back whiffs multiple times so you know it is what it is uh beer mosas what do you think of beer mosas beer mosas you take a, a healthy swig of your beer and you fill it back up with orange juice and then you enjoy and it's actually solid give it a shot if you haven't so Yeah, man, the escape room. We were into all of our rooms in like 15, 20 minutes. There's four rooms. We started in one. There was a back room, a middle room, and then the vault room. It was a bank heist. We got stuck in that last fucking room for like 40 minutes. It was so frustrating. And like some of the was work and Mafia Matt did not help us out. So that's
1: questionable equipment.
0: I'd say we got busted on a technicality for sure.
1: We would have made it out.
0: So I think so. But yeah, I mean, it was a great time. I appreciate you and everyone that was there for uh, for setting it up and spending that time with me. So i will going to do a, that a blast. Yeah, it was fun. So I we wish can't we wait do to too. do it again. I know. I know. <laughs> so we'll go ahead and hop into some football content. So obviously this past couple weeks has been crazy. So we had a lot going on. So we did not get to an episode last week, but that's probably for the best because we had the draft with some other huge news, which I'm sure no one knows anything about. And then we got our second part of our pop-off drop-off series here. We're going to talk about our tight ends and wide receivers tonight. So let's start with the NFL draft. Um, I just have a list here of winners and losers. You can feel free to chime in with your winners and losers, but I'll run through a few of mine. You can pause, um, throw some years in there and just give our takes on uh, like, I I perceive these as winners. You might have a different view on some of these, but um, starting out with Trey Lance at the, the third overall pick to the 49ers. I think this is an excellent landing spot. We're talking about the most complete team on both sides of the ball. So them taking a project, quote-unquote project, in Trey Lance, I think, is it's going to turn out fine because they're a very QB-friendly offense. They play the sidelines really well, and Lance brings a, an element of mobility to that offense that they have never previously had since Colin Kaepernick. So I shouldn't say never, but uh, I love Lance's fit here.
1: What do you think? No, man. Honestly, I think out of all the quarterbacks, he probably landed in the best spot and I think it might be bold to say and it might even be the fact that I just drafted him in a uh in a rookie rookie draft. I think I think Trey, Trey Lance might turn out to be the best one out of out of the five that were drafted so, in the first round.
0: Yeah, I I don't hate that take at all. And a while back when it was even before the 49ers moved up, I said whoever the 49ers draft should be in contention for the 1.01 Superflex Leagues. Just because I think the team is that good. So, you have an offensive kind of mastermind, offensive play caller, Kyle Shanahan, uh, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Raheem Moster, uh Jeff Wilson, like, and then they drafted Trey Sermon this year, too. So, it's a really well-rounded team. They have one of the best offensive lines, specifically their left tackle and Trey Williams. So, that team is set up for winning now and winning later because they're young at all those positions I just mentioned, except Trent Williams kind of old, but he he just got extended, so he's going to be there for a bit. And then on defense, they're very solid. So, yeah, I love his landing spot. I mean, I get if you want to take Trevor Lawrence to the 101, if you have the 101, and shout out to Matt Kelly for this take, but if you have it, look at trading back because Trevor Lawrence, I'm not going to argue with anyone who wants to take Trevor Lawrence at 101 and Superflex, but you can move back a spot or two, probably one at this point. Cause I think Lance is easily the 102 with this landing spot. So uh, next I have Tua and the Dolphins. So the Dolphins actually had a really good draft. They surrounded Tua with more weapons. They've committed to Tua as their QB. I like Tua's chances to break out this year as do some others. Um, some people still just doubt his ability but the Dolphins clearly are buying into him. And I think it's gonna be a great year and Tua is gonna be a value in both dynasty startups you can trade for him right now on the cheap and then in a re- redraft i think will give you some pretty usable weeks
1: i'm not completely sold on him, man i'm yeah. still i think i'm on that that group that's hesitant
0: that's fair i just from a, a draft perspective you you have to call him a winner you know because they they did
1: oh absolutely games. i I think they had a, a great draft and Jalen Waddle was a great pick but i just don't know if i'm sold on to it in his skills
0: that, that's totally fair that's totally fair um here's the guy i think we both agree on austin eckler my man's had a hell of a draft the winner He's dude on the couch the Chargers, really in general
1: between the draft and free agency time. that team definitely improved
0: they're dangerous they're dangerous and if you remember back to last year i mean they took the chiefs to the wire twice i believe so and now they have a drastically improved offensive line with the additions of Corey lindsley they drafted slater in the draft who was widely regarded as the second best tackle in the draft um i mean they just they crushed it they got a wide receiver in the third round i forget that dude's name but uh i think he's from tennessee so more weapons for herbert and then Eckler's a guy who only played 10 games last year said it on our previous episode if you haven't heard it check it out i apologize for the audio and hopefully this sounds a lot better than that did but eckler's my dark horse to finish his rb1 on the season just because i mean everything went right for him this offseason if he can stay healthy we're looking at an alvin kamara-esque potential output in terms of the receptions he'll get the usage he'll see because josh kelly isn't it and then who's the justin jackson yeah he ain't it so eckler could really handle a lot of work there and he's a guy who can literally similar to alvin kamara lineup in the slot or even out wide and and win so love eckler he's currently sitting at rb10 I think that only goes up. So I don't know if his value is going to be great, but I think he's safe to draft wherever he lands. Yeah, uh, Miles Gaskin. So this is the Dolphins running back from last year. He actually had a pretty sneaky good season when it was all said and done. And the Dolphins didn't address running back until the seventh round of the draft. So Jared Dokes, I think out of Cincinnati, I mean, people are getting hype, but it, he's a seventh round pick. So I don't think he threatens Gaskin too much. I think Dokes probably a fine player, don't know too much about him but Gaskin is a winner from this draft for sure um the Bears man the Bears had also a really great draft and starting out with Justin Fields to pick 11 so I mean that was a great pick I am a big Justin Fields fan I hate to have him in a division where in a few months he could be the best quarterback in the division we'll talk about that later so (laughs) I don't know how I feel but I mean the Bears crushed that uh the draft with that pick the Jets man um Zach Wilson Vera Tucker at guard tackle he's really a movable piece in the offensive line then Elijah Moore first thing in the second round Michael Carter later in the fourth round I think that's a a great draft I think for a rebuilding team they hit those picks really well Elijah Moore was widely regarded as a first round talent so you get a young quarterback you get a a first round talent wide receiver in the second round you get him an offensive lineman to go along with Makai Beckton that they just drafted last year this team is is looking good. You also have Denzel Mims coming into his second year, and then Corey Davis uh, out of free agency. So, I think there's going to be value to be had in fantasy football for this Jets offense. It's going to hinge on the shoulder of Zach Wilson, but these pieces are very intriguing. So, especially with the new coaching. So, any thoughts on the
1: Jets? Not really, man. I mean, I think you hit it home there. The uh... I don't know. I was going to say now.
0: It's all good. <laughs> uh, the Lions, another NFC North rival, crushed their draft, getting Penae Swell at, where are they getting, seven, I think? Seven overall. Yeah, I think so. So, I mean, hands down the best tackle in the draft class. They, they're going to keep Jared Goff up, right? Which, I mean, it's still Jared Goff, so I'm not too worried about the Lions. But they did great for what they had. And I think Amon Ross St. Brown in the fourth round was a hell of a pick, especially considering he's going to have a shot to produce pretty quickly. So his fourth round draft capital and rookie drafts from a dynasty's perspective is probably going to push him down the board just because he was picked very early, but he's walking into a wide open opportunity in Detroit. So um, he could be a steal in your rookie drafts for sure. Yeah, man, that team's got nobody a wide receiver.
1: Yeah, I think it's nobody.
0: Kyrell Williams. Um, I had this all written down. Oh, yeah, it's because I'm going to talk about a line later. Uh, Tyrell Williams, Quintez Cephas, Rashad Perriman, Khalif Raymond. It's slim. Amon Ross St. Brown might be one of the most talented players on the roster at that position <laughs> right now. So, uh, Lamar Jackson. I love what the Ravens did. We look at Rashad Bateman in the first round at 27 overall, and then Tylan Wallace at 131. Everyone, rightfully so, has doubted Lamar as a passer. And they go out and get him, one of the best wide receivers of the class, and then Tylen Wallace, who his athletic profile comps closely. It's just to Stephon Diggs. I'm not going to say he's going to end up as Stephon Diggs, but on paper and some of his film from college, you like you see the comparisons that are there. Uh, do you think? the addition of two wide receivers, I think Bateman is really the impact guy. Do you think we actually see a step forward in Lamar as a passer this year, or is this kind of just more smoke screens? Are you avoiding these guys in your rookie drafts or even in redraft leagues?
1: No, I wouldn't say I'm avoiding them. I may be more hesitant in a redraft league just because, the The fact that they're unproven, you know, you don't have that. They don't have that experience. So, but at dynasty league, dude, I'd be all over Bateman, yeah. And a heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, that guy's got. He doesn't have the speed, but he's got the hands. He's got the skills to make separation. Like I talked about him a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. and yeah, I mean, I'd be all in on him. The uh, so can't give up on my boy Devin Duvernay, though, man.
0: Yeah, I mean the addition of two additional, the addition of two additional, good one. Uh two wide receivers, it's not great. I think Duvernay is probably safer than guys like James Prochet, even Miles Boykin. Yeah. Um but I think it it's very telling that the Ravens are willing to invest in wide receivers. So previously they haven't had a ton to work with. You've had uh Marquise Brown. Not not exactly what we we're all hoping for, but even with Marquise Brown, I think with more weapons could free up more space for yeah. Brown. I don't think that like, it, it might be a situation where none of them are great, but I just checked ADP um, from fantasy pros and Bateman sitting at wide receiver 67. And I'm not going to sit here and say, he's going to be like CD lamb or Justin Jefferson or Brandon Auk from last year. But we had those three guys right there, top 20 at multiple points throughout the year in in fantasy football. So, and I think Lamar's, The hate on Lamar as a passer, I think, is really overblown. I mean, there's plenty of throws he makes that are just absolute dimes. So, I mean, he's got some room to improve, but now he also has the weapons to help him improve. So, yeah, um, I really like these picks for for Baltimore, and I like Bateman. I mean, 67 seems just way too low for a player that's that good and can separate the way he can. He's been pro-ready for two years now, so now he gets to hit the league and show everyone what he's made of. So, um, love that pick. Uh, Denver Broncos, Javante Williams, the running back out of North Carolina. They got him early in the second round. I just talked about Melvin Gordon being a great value. Javante Williams puts that to bed. Um, I think Williams is probably the better player between the two of them at this point in Gordon's career. That being said, Gordon will still have a role, but he's not going to flirt with that, that mid to high RB two number like he did last year. I think Williams is a very, very real threat to Gordon's fantasy production um, and because Gordon still has plenty in the tank, in my opinion, I don't think Javante finishes particularly high either, but a great NFL pick for the Denver Broncos. So any thoughts?
1: Do you think there's a chance that he or takes Melvin Gordon?
0: I think there's a real chance that yes, that, but I also think Melvin Gordon gets hurt and just never really regains a meaningful role. Williams like Melvin Gordon's got injury history, you know, and Javante Williams is a, a three-down skill set. So, um, yeah, I, I think, especially with the draft capital in the second round, I know Gordon was a first-round pick, but he's also 28 years old at this point. So yeah, um, I, I like what they did here with Williams. I think it makes a lot of sense for the team. So uh, Rondell Moore, man, Arizona, this is one of my favorite picks of the draft. I was really hoping that the Packers would swoop in and take him in the, the first or second round. Of course they didn't. Why would they? But Arizona is a fantastic landing spot for fantasy, in my opinion. You got a guy who's gadgety as hell, fast, physical, strong. He's little, but, I mean, I don't think there. other than his size, there's not a lot you can knock on Rondell Moore. So what do you think of his fit in Arizona?
1: No, I think it's going to be perfect playing opposite – probably playing opposite of uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, man.
0: So they're gonna find what, ways to get more of the ball and just what uh, let a them perfect run. duo
1: to learn from and DeAndre Hopkins and that old guy Larry Fitzgerald.
0: Yeah, if he's still around, I've heard rumors of her retirement. But um yeah, I mean, Rondell's Arizona, like with the, the creativity the offense provides, Kyler Murray's versatility, um, the ability to get more involved in the Wildcat or jet sweeps or anything like that, like it's it's great. I think Cliff Cliff King is gonna have a really great time with Rondell Moore. Um, Terrace Marshall reunites with Joe Brady in Carolina. So Terrace Marshall played at LSU. Joe Brady was the OC at LSU. I think this is a brilliant pick. Terrace Marshall is a stud. Um, so pick 59, they got him in the second round. And that's a team, honestly, that needed a wide receiver. I mean, you look at, you got DJ Moore, Ravi Anderson, but behind that, Curtis Samuel is out the door. Don't really have a threat at tight end. So you have... Moore, Anderson, McCaffrey, blank. And now they got Terrace Marshall, who has an NFL-ready frame. He's like 6'3", 208 pounds. Very, very impressive production profile from LSU. So touchdown machine, even playing alongside uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. Marshall held his own in that offense. And then last year with Chase opting out, Marshall really improved his draft stock. So and then reuniting with a former OC, I think is huge. I think like that can't go understated because look at what Robbie Anderson did last year, reuniting with Matt Rule. In yeah. The Temple connection. So I'm not saying Marshall's gonna go supplant Robbie Anderson, but I think there is a very, very good role for him in this offense, especially in the red zone. The dude's huge. So really like this pick. And then staying with the Panthers, Sam Darnold. Like the Panthers had a chance to draft fields at eight. They didn't, they drafted JC Horn. So Sam Darnold is the Panthers guy. I mean, they traded Teddy Bridgewater away, passed on a quarterback in the draft, picked up Darnold's fifth-year option. They're going to see what happens. And as Darnold, especially coming from where he came from, it has to be a really, really great feeling for a team to actually like invest in you, show confidence in you. So I talked about Darnold last week. as quarterback, I think, is going to pop off. Um, I mean, I think he's preseason QB 38 or some shit. So it's about right. Yeah, I mean, I think you're going to get probably <laughs> mid-QB 2 finish, but throughout that season, you're going to have multiple QB 1 weeks that you can use him. Just the weapons around him are great, and Terrace Marshall's a great addition, in my opinion. Um, and then my final winners of that, I mean, there's plenty more, but the last one I'll talk about, A.J. Brown um there's a realistic chance i was thinking about this the other day especially with all the 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 green bay news that i, I think there's a, a solid chance now, i have not done projections yet but i think aj brown ends up it's probably my wide receiver one in my projections really dude, that's high praise i yeah i mean you look at how dominant he is last year he played on two bum knees surgically repaired in the offseason so he'll be 100 percent heading into the year The Titans have 157 vacated targets between two guys. And all they did was bring in Josh Reynolds as a free agent from the Rams and then drafted two guys day three. So it's AJ Brown's role. I mean, he is the wide receiver one there, but like behind him, I like Josh Reynolds. I think it's a good signing, but I don't think he's a threat to targets, even in the same way Corey Davis was. So I think Davis had 92 targets last year. If Reynolds gets up there, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think Brown, there's a a solid chance he sees 150 targets. And if he gets 150 targets, there's no way he doesn't end up as my wide receiver one. As efficient he is, as great as he is after the catch, winning contested downfield in the red zone, like he's a freak. So
1: don't you think, though, basically being the only receiver on a team opens you up to like, massive coverage. yeah massive coverage
0: well they still have derrick henry to deal with so if they leave if they if they sell out to stop aj brown they're gonna get burned by henry so i think henry balances the team out fairly well firks are still there i'm not saying he's gonna be a meaningful threat and i do see what you're saying with brown like getting all that attention but i mean there's they're gonna have to get creative and they're obviously like okay we got aj we're fine you know so he is proven to be an alpha and the team views him as like the alpha. So I don't want to get too insane, but like there's a real chance that once I sit down and do projections, I'm going to be like, okay, Jay Brown's going to get 148 targets. He's going to score 13 touchdowns and average like 13 and a half yards a catch. Cause that's like within his range of outcomes. Cause he's that good and wherever he ends up, he ends up. So he might score more than 13, too. He had 11 last year and missed some games and played hurt all year. So, Yeah, so going to losers, I have a short list here. James Robinson, I think, is the most obvious loser. Uh, this dude comes off a 1,400-yard all-purpose season, and then the Jags thank him by dra- drafting Travis Etienne. It's the 25th overall pick. I, What do you think of the pick?
1: I mean, for the Jaguars... It's a good pick. I mean, if you have the opportunity to line up Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, both from Clemson coming in as rookies, I mean, they're going to be familiar with each other. So, I mean, I think it's going to help the offense click more. For Robinson, though, I think it is a terrible pick.
0: Yeah, urban meyer came out and said we're viewing etn as the third down back you don't draft third down backs 25 overall yeah so you could have waited and got a guy later on um there's still plenty of names there's a guy i'll talk about here in a minute that fell way farther than i thought but i mean I, i just feel for robinson i think from an nfl standpoint I honestly don't even know if I love the pick from a, a team building standpoint. Cause like you're talking, I mean, the they guy. definitely didn't,
1: they they drafted him way too high, man. Like, yeah. I don't think they didn't need him that bad to draft him there.
0: Exactly. That's where they I was could have used it, it somewhere else. Yeah. So they draft a running back, a, a quote unquote, third down back when this is like the second worst team in the NFL by just draft capital standards. It's like running back, especially when you have a guy like Robinson, it's not a position you need. You know, it's a, if it's a position you want to backfill later on, by all means. But basically asserting it as a priority, I I didn't love it from a a fantasy or a, just a real-life perspective. I think it was kind of a, a silly pick. But, I mean, Etienne's a great player, but this, I think, really just caps both of them. But yeah. I think Robinson, with the, the overreaction, is going to become a value again. So I think he was like rb 17 or something like that according to fantasy pros that will go down and i think robinson is good enough to if it goes down to like rb 29 i think he's well beyond that i think he can finish as an rb2 again so i don't know it's gonna and then you got look at some of the other rookie running back situations like last year jk dobbins guy everyone was so excited about it just was underutilized criminally so that we can yeah. see that same thing with etn just like the guy doesn't get the work we're thinking he will and it's good for the gus edwards aka james robinson which james robinson is way better than gus edwards so i don't know it's just interesting i didn't love it i just uh, as a james robinson manager everyone who, everyone who's like oh you should have traded him it's like oh good for you you fucking savants like my bad. I believed in the guy who put up 1,400 yards as a UDFA and finished as the RB7. Like, I don't think yeah. the team would be dumb enough to go do this. So don't take your lap on me thinking you were the wizard. It's like, whatever. Good for you guys. Good for you guys. Uh, this one, controversial, Najee Harris. I have him as a loser. What do you think? What are your instant reactions?
1: I would honestly say that's fair. I mean, I think Najee's no, a great player. Um, However that offensive line of the Steelers is deteriorating and Big Ben's on his way out. I mean, you don't know what the future's gonna hold. He could have he'll probably have a good season this year, but you don't know what the, the seasons afterwards are gonna look like when you know when the offensive line is worse and Big Ben moves on. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's my thought exactly. So I think when Harris landed in Pittsburgh, everyone said, Holy shit, Le'Veon Bell, James Conner, great running <laughs> offense. Not the case. Last year, they were one of the worst running offenses. I mean, and granted, they had like a shell of James Conner, and then Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane. Like, not great, but Najee is as great of a player as he is, and I think he can overcome. He'll obviously do more than those other guys did, but you're only as good as the people who are protecting you, and right now, Pittsburgh is not in a situation to protect him well, so... I think I mean, there's people crowning Najee as a top 12 fantasy running back in 2021. And I think at that value, I'm going to be out. I would rather have most people behind him or near him, honestly. So um, if we go look at the current top 12 running backs, and this is according to Fantasy Pros, not our personal projections yet. So if we we're going to slot Najee in as the top 12 guy, you're going to put him in front of Acres uh mixon i'd probably take Najee over Mixon personally. Um I take Antonio Gibson over Najee, I take DeAndre Swift over <laughs> Najee. I take JK Dobbins over Najee. So currently Fantasy Pros, and I will say this, um Fantasy Pros has him as RB18. So I feel comfortable there. But if we're reaching that top 12, I'm gonna be out on Najee. And I think in most drafts, I mean people are going to be infatuated with the situation without putting context to how bad Pittsburgh was last year as a, a rushing offense. So, yeah, I, I consider him a loser. Not to say he's a bad player, but the situation isn't as good as it seems, personally. Um, I mean, the Raiders always be reaching for those picks, but I, at this point, that's just what they do. Who's the Raiders, surprised? The Raiders are going to Raider, you know? They're going to Raider. And then uh, Kylan Hill, this is one of my a deeper prospect I really liked, but I didn't think he'd be this deep. I uh, felt all the way to the seventh round where he was selected by the Packers. So uh, it's obviously my favorite team. And I love having Kylan Hill as a Packer. I just don't see the need for him, but I mean, in the seventh round, you, you got a great value. I think he's a great player. I just worry about how much he's actually going to be used. Um, so. Yeah. I mean, this was a guy I was hoping to go in the, the third or fourth round. And have a chance at playing and earning a role. Not to say he can't in Green Bay, but you have Aaron Jones re-signed AJ Dillon is the second round draft pick just a year ago. It's and, and Kylan Hill, like you're filling that RB three vacated by Jamal Williams, but I think really gonna like I see action if somebody gets hurt. Exactly. It's gonna be a two man show and Kylan Hill's probably gonna be the outside looking in. But I mean, I love if someone does get hurt, I, I think Kylan Hill's a great piece. So Um, Yeah, so speaking of the Packers, let's go ahead and smoothly transition into the biggest fucking shit show I can think of at this current stage. Um, Aaron Rodgers, man. So I don't think it's a secret at all at this juncture that this is a mess. And I just want to know your thoughts on it. I mean, it's been weird, man. We've been busy. I haven't talked to you as much as we normally do. So I don't know. I just know that you're probably laughing at me right now as a Packers fan. so
1: Eddie, I'm just glad somebody else could feel the pain that, that I've felt over the past few years, but now, dude, I mean, this is all over the place. Everybody's pointing fingers at everybody. People are saying that, you know, Rogers, Rogers leaked it when he didn't, that the Packers leaked it when they didn't, you know, like it was shifty out there on his own, dude, just, making a report. Obviously, I mean, he's being very observant from things that have happened throughout the year and then the offseason. He said that himself on the Dan Patrick show, like earlier today or yesterday. And, I mean, it's something, dude. That it's, I just, and I don't know, like because I guess the Colts were like kind of in a similar situation. I, you know, they had Peyton for all those years and then, you know, they were dog-ass one year and then they had Andrew Luck. You know the Packers had Brett Favre. Then they had Aaron Rodgers. So quarterback wise, you guys have been very blessed. You okay. know, almost very, years very blessed at quarterback. It and it's like you have one of the top quarterbacks to ever play the game, and they're pissing it away. They are dry. They are driving him away. Yeah. So.
0: That's been my perspective. It's like, imagine having Aaron Rodgers and fucking it up. Yeah. This should not be hard. This should not be hard. So, yeah, I think there's two sides, obviously, to every story. And my perspective on these two sides is you have the Packers organization, who's basically trying to save face for what was a pretty busted 2020 draft.
1: I don't know. That was it terrible didn't they weren't they graded
0: like last it had had to be low and i will say this i don't know what that draft did to like we know aaron Rodgers is a a vindictive man that draft might have propelled him to the mvp season we saw might have pissed him off enough and i've said it before with aaron Rodgers, you can't really gauge like oh he's going to be fired up you absolutely can with him if he has a point to prove he's going to prove it Mm -hmm. and he did last year and basically, after last year, he said, "All right, I'm not done. Obviously, it's him or me." And the Packers are like, "Hmm." Instead of like the easiest answer, it's like, "All right, we'll we'll get this fixed." They actually hesitated. That pissed Aaron off, and then fuel on the fire. I don't love how either side is handling this. Yeah. Um, obviously, the Packers being too proud of themselves or too prideful is the the better word. To just admit they made a mistake because like you can come back from bad picks people do it all the time and then aaron i think is not really himself instigating it but like all the shit that's leaked out about like the text about like calling the gm jerry Krause, which i think is funny as hell um the the discouraging free agents. Like Aaron's basically convinced himself and others that he's not going to be a Packer in 2021 and that's influenced other people's decisions. So whether they stay in green Bay or go somewhere else, or if they come into green Bay as free agents. So like, I don't love that. And I mean, from my perspective right now, it's like, it's, we're really having a conversation of like, is it the best thing to trade a future hall of famer who still is playing elite football? That should never be a question, but it is. And with Aaron's current situation, like he's obviously toxic. Like if you go into that locker room, everyone knows where Aaron stands. You know, nothing is private anymore. Yeah. Most of his teammates probably knew. And it sounds like based on the conversations that have been leaked, like he was talking with his teammates, both current and former. So, like it wasn't a secret but now all this shit is out and you're like wow aaron's an asshole and that's how he's always been portrayed in the media which bothers me because like at the end of the day i also think he's right you know like you're looking at a guy who hasn't been helped offensively via the draft since 2012 like no offensive players picked in the first round except for one jordan love come on So I think he's justified in his gripes. I think the Packers are handling this really poorly and they're about to piss away. Like you said, one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen play the game.
1: Do you think the fact that, and this has been like a big talking point for a lot of, like a lot of shows, like do you think the fact that the Packers don't have an owner hurts them in this situation? I really
0: do. I really do. And I've been talking about this with some buddies at work. Um, It's dope as fuck working with a bunch of other football nerds. Finally, so um, we've been talking to work and the fact they don't have an owner who can make decisions like, Oh shit. Like he wants the GM gone. Who's going to yeah. fire the GM with no owner, you know? So I, I think there's, and I'm not saying that firing the GM is the right move because I actually think the Packers crushed this draft. They addressed team needs. They didn't get anything stupid. they got Amari Rogers who I think is actually a pretty solid wide receiver. I mean, I I don't dislike anything they did, but given the context of everything that's going on, it's, it's never going to look like it was enough. You know, this was too little, too late to a T. I think they got good players though. So um, yeah, not a bad draft, but when you look at like, Oh shit, we're probably still going to lose our guy at quarterback. It's, it's going to be all for nothing. So.
1: Well, they're apparently okay with it, man. That's why they took Jordan love the first round.
0: It's wild. It's wild times. So, some people still think the most likely outcome is he plays in Green Bay. I think.
1: Didn't he, he already say, though, that he, like, either he wants traded or he's retiring? Like, he's not going to play. Those two options have been floated. Um,
0: and then more quotes from John Kuhn, former Packers fullback, uh, came out. And they he just said, Aaron's conflicted. You know, he loves playing in Green Bay. He loves playing football. He doesn't like how things are going. Yeah. And, I mean, that's really the easiest summary of the whole situation so and like earlier a uh, draft nights. like unless things are fixed to his liking he's not gonna play and i could easily see him just walking away you know so he seems like a guy who doesn't really have much left to prove and with plenty of other options it's never been about the money it's always been about the respect and i mean look at the bears man shout out to your shitty t-shirt again <laughs> The Bears had the the respect to call Andy Dalton and tell them they were going to move up and draft Justin Fields. Aaron Rodgers found out Jordan Love was a Packer the same time everyone else did, same time they yeah. did. You know, it's like this is one of the best quarterbacks of all time. And the team doesn't trade up to help him. They trade up to fuck him over and just set this whole thing in motion. And, you know, and this dates back prior to Jordan love too. you think about all the Mike McCarthy years like he's had issues with the organization well before Jordan love was a Green Bay Packer And I think lost in all this is Jordan love you know it's like this is a guy who didn't ask for any of this not his faults Like he didn't say I want to be a Green Bay Packer I want to go take out Aaron Rodgers not what he said at all and you get this guy who's gonna if he ends up being the starter next year he's gonna be one of the most hated men in Green Bay Oh, absolutely. The zone.
1: Be one of the most hated men in the NFL. Yeah,
0: because people link this whole debacle back to him, but it's actually the organization. So it's a mess, man. I, as a Packers fan, it, it pains me to think about playing without Aaron Rodgers, but with the current state of like, he might just leave, he might just retire. I think the best thing we can do as a team is take whatever we can get and start a uh, rebuild it might not be that long of a rebuild if we can get good assets back so we're likely going to get a quarterback in return any trade deal we do but i mean if love's not ready to play you got to go out and get a vet they're already looking at vets. there's none on free agency they're going to have to acquire one via trade i mean it's messy it's real messy it has a lot of fantasy implications because it's a fantastic offense for fantasy especially those main pieces so i don't know man it's it sucks but we we live on. We continue. And we'll move on now to pop-off drop-off part two. so Let's do it. Tight ends. We'll start with this tight end. Uh, shitty position, man. Last year, I was fooled into thinking it was actually going to be a deep position for the first time in like 50 years. And it wasn't. It's just the same top four. But nonetheless, um, we're going to pretend it's going to be deep again. And we're going to talk about some guys at the top some middling guys maybe a a rando in there too because like the middle the tight end twos aren't fun to talk about at all so i just picked like a deeper name actually picked two deeper names not really deep you'll see um so i'll go ahead and start us out here my uh if you know if you weren't with us last time what we do is we pick a player that finished twenty twenty in the one to eight the nine to 15 and then 20 or beyond and we predict that they're going to pop off again or drop off based on where their previous finish was um yeah so that's the gist and we'll start out my one to eight is tj Hawkinson finished 2020s tight end four he is projected in 2021 as the tight end four again um he saw 101 targets in 2020 67 receptions 723 yards six touchdowns so pretty productive overall and I think again, the lions really crushed their draft. Like I talked about earlier, but one thing they didn't really address was pass catching weapons. So again, their list of wide receivers currently Tyrell Williams, Quintez Cephas, Amon Ross St. Brown, Prashad Perriman, Khalif Raymond. That's their depth chart. TJ Hawkinson's probably the, the most established player pass catcher on their team right now. I mean, you want to throw Deandre Swift in that conversation too, but we're talking receiving weapons, not running backs. Um, I think Hawk has a really good shot to put up similar target numbers. That being said, I don't know if tight end four is going to happen, but he's definitely going to be a tight end one. I mean, tight end one's pretty easy to accomplish, but I, I mean, top six, I think if you draft him as tight end four, he finishes as tight end six, you're going to be happy with it, especially at a position this thin. Um, he just has, I think, A really really clear path to production I just don't know if he'll be in a good enough offensive situation to finish as a top five tight end so I'd probably say five is the ceiling it's not going to drop off from four but I don't I think four is a little too rich for me personally
1: so who's your top guy Dude, my top guy who I have dropping off this season is Robert Tunyon he finished last year as the tight end three I do not see that – I don't see that happening again for him this season. Um, he finished last year at 52 receptions on 59 targets, 586 yards, and 11 touchdowns, which are great stats. It's
0: very efficient.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, I think three or four of those touchdowns, that came in one game. So, I mean, how often does that happen? Rarely. Um, and I – he also – I mean, he had those hot few weeks where he had like a touchdown or two or in that case, like four in one game. But then he kind of died off towards the end of the year. They kind of stopped using him as much. And he just kind of fell off. And I just don't see them using him as a focal point this year.
0: Yeah. And I think given what we just talked about with Aaron, like all Packers have to be a fade. Uh, oh yeah. You know, startups if you're drafting a dynasty startup right now, I I would be very very hesitant to take any Green Bay Packer DeVonte Adams included, you know. And it sucks because up until a week and a half ago, he was my wide receiver 1 in dynasty formats because like you have that Aaron connection and I just thought they were going to get this shit figured out and not put us in this situation. Here we are wondering who's going to be throwing passes to DeVonte Adams next year. Not a question I like to have when you have other guys like AJ Brown, DK Metcalf, um, DeAndre Hopkins, other really, really great names. <clears throat> Excuse me. At the top of the board, I'm going to take the safer options. Tyreek Hill also is another name. So, like, yeah, I just don't want to mess with the risk involved. And I, I agree. Tunyon's probably going to drop off again. So um, let's move on to our middle lane guy. I picked Gerald Everett here. Um, it's just so uninteresting. I wanted to make this a little bit more interesting. And I've talked about Jared Everett a number of times. I need to tweet more, man, because I have all these thoughts and I can't back them up, but I know I fucking talked about Jared Everett. And uh, so he finished in 2020 as tight end 24, nothing special, back in tight end two. Projected this year is tight end 25, but his situation got drastically better. He went to Seattle. So he's got Russell Wilson throwing him passes. Greg Olson's gone. Jacob Hollister was the tight end there last year. You got Gerald Everett. I know he's like in the league now. Former second-round pick, still just twenty-six years old. He's super athletic. He's a receiving threat. That's what he does. So I like the signing by Seattle. I think I mean, I'm not saying Everett's going to break the top ten, but twenty-five is disrespectful. I think. I think you're going to have. You're looking at bye weeks for an already thin position. Gerald Everett's is gonna be a guy you're gonna to want to scoop off waivers and just throw in there and see what happens. Worst that can happen is you get a shitty tight end performance. Best that can happen, is he scores a touchdown and gets you like a, a back end tight end one week. So yeah. I think that's in his his cards for this year, especially in that Seattle offense. So yeah, who's your your middling guy?
1: Uh, mine is Dalton Schultz. Schultz from uh, from from Dallas. I have him popping off. Last year he finished as the tight end 14, 63 receptions, on 89 targets, 615 yards, and four touchdowns. Um, I personally would say that's impressive, seeing what that team went through last year with a quarterback and then just kind of overall as a team. Um, one thing that he has on his side this year is the fact that he gets Dak back So I think that'll help out tremendously. Um, I also think the fact that they have like three dynamic wide receivers that, excuse me, three dynamic wide receivers that, you know, can hold their own. I think it's going to leave Schultz open, man. I think, I don't think that people are going to be worried about him. Teams aren't going to be worried about him defensively. Um, And I also think that last year he played well enough to kind of, kind of take the range as the top tight end on that team.
0: Okay. That's what I was going to ask. So my only issue with Schultz is Jarwin. Yeah. And Jarwin was obviously hurt last year, but he was the starter. Yeah, Schultz fall out. I agree with you. So I think Schultz definitely earned a role. I just don't know to the extent what that role looked like. Because um, I think Jarwin's a solid player as well. So it'll depend on how he's recovered from his injury. I forget what it was, but it was serious. He missed the entire season and got hurt pretty early on. So, yeah, um, if he returns and, healthy, I do think that puts a damper on the Schultz love. But uh, overall, I like the picks. So I agree with what you're saying.
1: Yeah, I mean he he finishes the tight end 14 last year, and he's projected as tight end 39. I yeah, think that that's, seems that's a little low, extremely low. Yeah.
0: yeah. So again, you're looking at streamers. You know, um, we're not saying go out and draft these guys. I, I wouldn't draft Schultz. <laughs> But if you're in a pinch for a tight end streaming, by all means, like there's yeah. lot of options, especially if Jarwin happens to get hurt again. So, I mean, Schultz proved he could he could hold his own out there. So, my outside the top 20, and this is like such a cheater pick uh, because I went with a rookie, I went with Kyle Pitts, um, the unicorn himself. So, he's never played a snap in the NFL, currently projected his tight end to eight. I think it's low. I think he pops off. Um, I think I'm basing this on. The fact that Julio Jones is rumored to be traded. If Julio's out, Pitts is going to become a target hog. I mean, because Calvin Ridley is going to get all the attention out wide that he used to never have to deal with playing opposite Julio. And Kyle Pitts is a matchup nightmare for everyone he'll play against. You know, it's going to be a matter of, is he going to be able to block well enough to be on the field every snap but if they don't care about him as a blocker and just really want to use him as a receiver, which he literally is as big as fat, bit as big and fast as wide receivers, you know. Like if I had to put Pitts in the wide receiver class this year, I might have put him. I probably would put him right there with Jamar Chase for the best receiver in this class, just because of how big and athletic he is, and he didn't drop a single target in twenty twenty. So this guy is going to be a cheat code and tight end eight in redraft. Uh, preseason I'm um, I'm probably gonna have him higher than that just because again I think Julio will be on a different team because I think it makes sense for the Falcons to do that because they can still get a good haul back for him yeah even if Julio's on the team this year it's going to be a similar situation like Dallas so like, I think Pitts obviously is going to demand more coverage than a guy like Schultz will but like where's it going to come from and like are you going to sell out the middle of your field or the middle of your defense to to guard a tight end they're going to have to, because if you don't Pitts is going to, it's going to ruin some, some seasons. So my question, like we all know he's a great, great, great prospect. But like, if you're in a startup draft right now, where are you looking at him in terms of tight ends? Are you looking at him as like tight end one, tight end two, three, four, five. I don't think he gets, but for me, there's three guys I would consider taking ahead of Pitts, And like, there's an argument for Pitts over each of them personally. So obviously if Kelsey Kittle Waller, those are the three and I would put Pitts right in that conversation. They're all established. But with, if Pitts hits, he's 20 years old. Kelsey's in his thirties. Kittle is 20, 28, 29. And Waller's pushing 30. And Pitts has got 10 years and all those guys. Yeah. And he could be just as good or better than any of them. So, I think there's a conversation to be had for tight end one in Dynasty, and that's without playing a snap. I get if you want to draft safe. So what would your philosophy be? If you're on the board and have a chance to be the first player to take a tight end in a Dynasty startup, who are you taking?
1: In a Dynasty startup, I'm I'm probably, I'm probably taking pitch just because he's got the youth. I mean, Kelsey, isn't he over 30? He's like 33. He's like 33. Mm-hmm. Waller's 30, are going to be 30, and then Kittle is?
0: He's upper 20s.
1: Yeah, and so I mean, all I would I would say those guys in no specific order are one, two, three, and then fuck, dude, what's his name? Now I forget.
0: Hawkinson, Andrews, Pitts.
1: No, yeah, Pitts. Okay. There, that's who we're talking about. <laughs> and then I would say Pitts is obviously going probably going to be four man, and I'm all I'm all right if you have youth, I'm all right taking what might be considered the fourth best tight end overall <laughs> the, those guys yeah okay i'd be all right with taking him first before the rest of them okay
0: yeah so i think in redraft you're looking at these four these three kelsey kittle waller kelsey waller kittle whatever order you want to put them in i think there's a, a chance especially as little as it takes to finish as a a very very good tight end pitts Hawkinson, duke it out for tight end four You know, I just talked about Hawkinson probably finishing five or lower. I think Pitts could easily go above him, especially considering the offense he plays in. Like, I don't have as many questions about the Falcons offense as I do about the Lions offense, considering everything is different Detroit. Quarterback, coach, yeah, receivers, everything is different. So, I mean, Pitts is obviously a rookie, but, like, you have a really great supporting cast that's going to open up a lot of opportunities for him. And, I mean... Tight end four seems totally attainable in redraft. And I'm with you. I If I was on the board staring down, like, what tight end am I going to take? I would probably take Pitts in a dynasty startup, you know, super flex or a uh, t- tight end premium or not. I just think the youth and the upside is too good. You know, you're going to have two, three more years of Kelsey. Same with Waller. And Kittle, you're gonna have a little bit longer, but you have the injury history, plus like what's Lance gonna be like. So there's still questions around him. Yeah. And you could say the same thing for for Pitts, but when you have athletic comparisons to Calvin Johnson, that's all I need to hear to be intrigued. And none of those other guys have that. So give me Pitts as my my dynasty tight end one, apparently. So all right, we'll go ahead and roll over to wide receivers. This one is probably going to piss some people off right off the bat. So I'll start with my first one. I'm going to say Justin Jefferson is going to drop off this year. Um, 2020 wide receiver six, 21, 2021 projected wide receiver eight. So even fantasy pros experts are projecting a slight drop off. I think wide receiver eight feels about as high as it's going to go. And the reason I say that, I'm not saying that that jefferson's a bad player he had a historic rookie year but i think we're counting on him to do it again you know this is a rookie at 125 targets 88 catches 1400 yards was third best in the league last year and seven touchdowns and like i'm not saying he can't do it again like he'll never do it again but that seems like about as good as it can get you know like you don't see too many back to back 1400 yard seasons. I could see a case for him having more receptions, but I also just, I feel in my gut that he's gonna be overdrafted. You know, he's ranked as the wide receiver eight. I think people are gonna be drafting him more like the wide receiver five. And I'm not gonna be one of those guys that reaches there. So I just think Jefferson, it's a little too rich for my blood personally. Great guy, great, great player, but I think we're giving too much credit how great and how hard it's going to be to replicate what he did last year and i think adam thielen also is not getting enough respect in this conversation um adam thielen finished the wide receiver eight last year so and he only played 15 games in the since 2017 here's his target totals 142 153 48 and 10 games he got hurt and then last year 108 in 15 games so he's older, he's 30 years old, but he's not going anywhere by any means. And all it takes is, and, and you know, Kirk loves him some Adam Thielen. So I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on Jefferson? Do you think I'm crazy here? Because I just think the hype around him is it's too much.
1: No, I mean, I wouldn't say you're crazy. The 1,400 yards, is that's a lot. You know, um, I doubt he does it. But then again, man, look at Derek Henry. Nobody thought he could go back to back seasons like that, you know, yeah. and then this year he rushed for over two thousand yards.
0: Yeah, you said one up. My my thing with Jefferson though is I think last year he caught people by surprise. The rookie yeah. on a team that like wasn't really known as a passing threat. And you know, you still got Kirk Cousins who like, do we believe in Kirk? Do we not believe in Kirk? Currently ranked as QB fifteen, so he's not really one of those top twelve that we think about as being good. Um but like I, I think this year he Jefferson is going to be viewed as the wide receiver one in Minnesota and that is gonna come with tougher coverage. So yeah that's that's one of my other reasons for for fading him a little bit. I mean, I feel like wide receiver one, I think you're looking at ten to twelve range, comfortable. But when people are gonna be drafting him probably higher than where he's currently ranked, I'm not gonna be one
1: of those people. So Yeah, that's fair. The uh speaking of the Vikings though. My top ranked wide receiver is a former Vikings receiver, Stefan Oh. who in 2020 man. finished as the wide wide receiver three and is projected for 2021 to be the wide receiver three. Um, very similar to, uh, to Jefferson. Um, I think he's going to drop. I do. Um, I mean, he had 127 receptions for, just uh, just uh, over 13, 1,300 yards and eight touchdowns. So I mean, he had a great season. However, I think now that he he had that great season, teams see that they're gonna they're probably gonna put some coverage on him. The Bills, even though he was injured last year, they lost John Brown. Um, they have what I would consider still somewhat of a um, not, it's not dark horse, but and it's not question, but you, you don't know which way Russell Gage is going to go. Not Russell Gage, Gabe Davis.
0: Oh man. I was like, they got Russell Gage. Yeah. No, oh,
1: I love Gabe Davis though. <laughs> so, and then, you know, they got Cole Beasley who had a sneaky year last year, did. but I just think, I think defenses are going to stack Stephon Diggs and, He's not gonna have the the same outcome as he did last year.
0: They're gonna force Josh Allen to beat them different ways. And yeah, I mean Diggs is good enough to separate contest cat like he he's great. He's great. He can make contested catches. He oh, he'll them still them be great.
1: good. He'll That's still exactly. be good. He'll probably even still be a wide receiver one. I just think he falls from three. Yeah. I would probably put him closer to ten. Okay. So
0: who do you Eight think to have a, a better year next year? Diggs or Jefferson? I'm taking digs. I think that's not really a hot take, but
1: no, nah, I would say that's probably accurate. Okay. Cool. Just be, I like the quarterback situation in Buffalo a little bit better.
0: I do as well. Yeah. Josh Allen leveled up last year. And I think a lot of that was due to digs. But like you said, if they find a way to limit digs, what's Josh Allen going to do? Cause yeah, he's still sporadic. So I like that. I like that call. Uh, my middling, I, I went my nine to 15. I actually took a guy that finished outside <laughs> of the 20. I just went with the Steelers wide receivers in general, Uh, Juju, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, um, all being back in Pittsburgh next year, I think is it's interesting because I was really hoping Juju would go and like Deontay would emerge. Claypool would rise up. But I think still, and if you listen to us last year, you'll know, like where I stand on this, like Deontay is the guy to have He's currently valued as the, the best wide receiver in that trio there by fantasy pros he ranked as wide receiver 22. I think uh, this year as well, which is right where he finished last year, but I'm seeing in dynasty startups right now that Claypool is going ahead of him. Juju. I think because he's a one-year deal, people are dropping him, but I would take Don Deontay over Claypool 10 times out of 10. And like, I think it's going to be more of the same with that offense. It's going to be get the ball out quick And Deontay is the guy who he's established himself as one of the best separators in the league with his route running. He's fantastic route runner. And that's going to be hugely beneficial for Ben who last year had the quickest time to throw in the league. So give me all the Deontay again. I think again, he's going to be pushing. I I said last year he finishes top 20. I think this year he'll do the same thing. I don't think it's going to be a huge jump because Juju's back, but um, where he's currently ranked, he will he will surpass that just based on volume. So I think he gets into the end zone more this year and sees 140 to 150 targets again. So
1: Yeah, I got Brandon Cooks as my next one up. The uh, finished last year's wide receiver 15, 81 receptions, 1,100 yards, six touchdowns. Um, I have him falling off for two reasons. All right, you ready?
0: Uh, yeah, I probably guessed him, but I want
1: to hear him. Will Fuller gone? I think that hurts him. The <laughs> I think we know what the second one is, dude. Is who the fuck knows what's going on with Deshaun Watson? Whether or not he'll be there, even if he is, then man, I don't. He's gonna. I think he's gonna have a tough season. And it yes. obviously will. It will obviously impact Brandon Cooks. Also,
0: does he, if he can play, does he even play? Because he's demanded to be traded. If he somehow makes it out of this mess he's in with the lawsuits, he still doesn't want to be the quarterback for the Houston Texans. Exactly. So,
1: and so I think just overall that hurts. That hurts Brandon Cooks. You know, and then they're obviously still going to be devoted to the run game because they invested so much in David Johnson.
0: Yeah, and they brought in Philip Lindsay. So.
1: Yeah, so I, I Brandon Cooks, they have him um, a projected wide receiver thirty-seven, and honestly, I think thirty-seven is low, but like a twenty, high twenties, low thirties, I think would be probably accurate. Okay, yeah, man,
0: I I don't hate that. I think it's safe to fade. I mean, I think the industry is fading him accordingly, but. Yeah, his situation's definitely cloudy. And this is a guy who's always kind of been disrespected. So, I mean, you look at on his fourth team, still putting up 1,000-yard seasons. Mm-hmm. So it'll, it'll depend on if Watson can play. And if he can play, will he play? If Watson plays in Houston, I'm going to be interested in Cooks because of the value. Like, if he's ranked as 37, I, if Watson's throwing footballs, so I think he can finish as a 25 to 20, you know? Yeah. But if Watson's out and yeah, like you said, all those other situations kind of come to fruition. I'm not going to have any Brandon cooks at any value. Probably it's going to be a mess.
1: So while we're on the topic though, listener question. Okay. If you have Deshaun Watson on your dynasty team, what are you doing with him?
0: I'm holding unless you can find a quarterback desperate team that is willing to to pay a decent return like watson's still from a, a football perspective he's still young he's one of the the top four or five talents at quarterback currently so and with the uncertainty if you're gonna get rid of him and he ends up playing regardless of his off the field situation if he plays he's gonna help your team so I don't think I think his value is too low to try to move him unless you can get him for the right price and you're gonna have to look for someone who has like dog shit quarterback options. So it's gonna have to be the perfect situation or else I'm just gonna hold and see what happens.
1: Yeah. So, so if you're so if your team, I don't know, you know, if you need a quarterback or you know your your quarterback's slightly okay are you like sending out any low offer to see if it gets accepted and risky for him?
0: Yeah. Yeah. If I'm a quarterback needy team, knowing the situation, like use that as leverage for sure. Uh-huh. You know, like, I don't know, Cause like we're getting into a conversation here. Where it's like about like morality. It's like, I don't support what he's doing, but like in this game we play, it's like similar to Tyree kill. It's like, I would draft Tyree Hill regardless of whether or not I think it's a piece of shit off the field, which like, I'm not, putting my ball in any court there because like that story is also all over the place. But if you're playing fantasy football to win, you got to take chances like this one. If you can get to Watson and he ends up being cleared of everything, he's going to be a steal and you can get him for like a second round pick, third round yeah. pick, you know, like, yeah, all day, all day. If I need a quarterback, what's the worst that happens? Like you lose a second round rookie pick that turns into who knows what, maybe a bust. Yeah. So yeah, all day so dope dude all right my last wide receiver to talk about and i have two honorable mentions lavisca chenault jr 2020 wide receiver 47 2021 projected wide receiver 45. this is utterly disrespectful to visca i guarantee i will be higher than consensus i was I don't think I was crazy last year for ranking Deontay. Cause I know he had a call. I know Visca has a call around him too. There are people that think Visca is going to be like a top 15 guy. I'm not there. I think top 25, top 24 all day because the opportunity that he's going to see just based on the kind of offense he's going to play in, I'm all in and it, the value he's going to be currently drafted at in any format. It's like he's also only a second year guy. So he's like 23 and dynasty if i can get this guy who's going to be tied to trevor lawrence for maybe his whole career yes urban meyer loves him some versatility i think visca is going to take on the curtis samuel-esque role that we saw curtis samuel play at ohio state where he put up like 1600 all-purpose yards his junior year so this is just a bigger faster I maybe mean not faster but bigger stronger version of a curtis samuel who can do everything that Curtis can do, but adds that physicality that is going to, it's a dream for urban Meyer and they did not address wide receiver. I saw, I forget the site, but someone had this guy as the wide receiver one on their depth chart. Say what you want. just a depth chart, whatever. But I think he's probably the most versatile player on their roster Mm -hmm. altogether. I mean, he in college took snaps as a quarterback Wildcat mostly, didn't do a lot of passing, Uh, running back, slot. He can win out wide. He can do it all. And you look at the other guys they have. You have DJ Chark, who is primarily an outside receiver, and Marvin Jones, who's underrated as hell, but primarily an outside receiver. So Visca can be moved all over the field. He can be schemed the ball in the run game. I love it. Urban Meyer's going to get creative as hell with Visca. He's going to crush 47, I think, top 20. My bold take this year is finish finishes the top twenty. And it's probably not bold to some. I know there's some people who are like all the fuck in on disco. So yeah that's wild, dude.
1: Yep. So I mean I agree though. I think he probably bold take. I think he might be the best wide receiver on
0: that team. He can do the most. I mean, Chark might be a better pure deep threat, you know. Yeah but he might end up more yards just based on the fact he catches deeper passes, but Visca could have most touchdowns, most receptions. I'm so excited about Laviska Chanel this year. And the fact they didn't address wide receiver, they just helped just running back over wide receiver, which like maybe they felt good about their guys, but Visca is one of those guys that they feel real good about. And I'm excited to see what he does in year two.
1: Yeah. The, uh, my final wide receiver is Terry McLaurin, Last year he finished as wide receiver twenty, you know, eighty seven receptions, just over eleven hundred yards and nine touchdowns. Um, I think I think he pops off. I think he pops off because this will be his first year. Where I hate to do this to Alex Smith, but I, it'll be his first year where he's got a competent quarterback starting. Yeah, that you know isn't dealing with any. Life issues injuries. <laughs> yeah like injuries off the field stuff the yeah, i i just think the the upgraded quarterback is going to help him out tremendously um he's projected at wide receiver 12 dude and i think that's, that's fairly, fairly accurate i think this could be the, one, the one year yeah i think this could be the first year that you see him as the wide receiver as a wide receiver one
0: Dude, I love that call. I love it a lot because I was in on this last year just because the volume he was going to see, and did see. But yeah, like you said, he has helped this year too. Curtis uh-huh. Samuel, excellent pickup, and then Diami Brown, my dude, Deami Brown, in Washington. I love that pick. They got him at a great value, and I think in the third round, which is stupid because I like I was like this guy's good enough to go at the back of the first, definitely in the second, and he fell to the third. So fantastic value for the washington football team they got weapons now their defense is elite like they're a scary team especially in a division that's always up for grabs yeah always up for grabs so i guess on that topic man who wins the the nfc east next year
1: i think it's probably i think it's probably washington honestly okay
0: you think washington i i I would
1: say if if it's not washington it's gonna be the giants
0: I thought Dallas, because Dallas, I think they had 10 picks this year, and I think they use eight of them on defense, including Micah Parsons, who's a game breaker. So if the Dallas offense is healthy enough, I don't know who stops them. Because last year they scored seemingly at Will. They just couldn't stop anyone from scoring. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's gonna be up for grabs again because like the Giants are gonna be interesting too. I think yeah. that's a sneaky, sneaky call. But the, the Washington football team
1: that division's garbage, yeah. but there's like everybody on that on in that division is so bad it makes it interesting. Fine, it can go man. any way.
0: Yeah, it's a fun division. So, yeah, man, I like that. The Eagles would that. definitely be the worst one. I think so. I think there's there, too many the question. Marks fire. Yeah. yeah. So it's gonna take a lot. I mean, Poor Devontae Smith. That's a good. It's a good pick by the Eagles. I thought it's a good now, pick for the Eagles. Yeah. It's a terrible landing spot for him. Yeah. Um, just to wrap things up, the draft this year was kind of like a the theme of it was reunions. You know, you had Lawrence Etienne, Devonta Smith going back to play with Jalen Hurts from the the Alabama connection. Tua gets Jalen Waddle back. Terrace Marshall goes to his old offensive coordinator. Like there was a lot of that going on. It was kind of kind of neat to see. So um, two honorable mentions I want to throw out wide receiver. I think will have great years and are currently very undervalued because they didn't really do well last year. Jerry Judy. Is going to be a a stud. I mean, he was phenomenal last year. He just it didn't show it on stat sheets, but I mean, he was as good as advertised, and just no one knew it. And then Henry Ruggs, he led the NFL in separation in 2020. Deontay Johnson did the same thing as a rookie. So I'm not saying Ruggs and Deontay are the same player. But, I mean, Ruggs is obviously way faster. But that's another element of his game that if the Raiders can unlock Ruggs, he has the speed along with being able to separate. I think he's also going to be a good value next year. And Brian Edwards, just for the fuck of it, because if Aaron Rodgers ends up as a fucking Raider, give me Brian Edwards all day. So
1: He'll still be dog shit, dude. He'll be like MVS.
0: Don't crush my
1: dreams like that. He'll have a couple games where he's good. Other than that, he'll be dog duty and not worth a start.
0: Is what it is. But if uh Rodgers goes to Oakland, that means the Packers likely get Derek Carr. Um, Oakland? I, would, uh, I mean Vegas. Come be, on, dude. I'd be yeah, it's been a year and a half. If Rodgers goes to Las Vegas, which is one of the rumored landing spots, that means Green Bay would likely get Derek Carr. And to convince myself to be excited about Derek Carr, he threw passes to Devontae out of in college. So we could do worse.
1: But I suppose hey. that's true, and he at one point was in the MVP, MVP running.
0: You so until your Colts broke his fucking leg, so yeah, the
1: What's up? It's how we play, baby. All
0: right, we're Bleed gonna get blue. out of here. It is eleven thirty-two Eastern Standard Time. We're tired as hell. My eyes hurt. Uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Check us out on Twitter at A to Z FFB, at Zach FFB, at the Alex Sutton. Uh, hit us with follows, hit us with questions for future episodes. We are going to be doing a mock draft here soon. We're going to do a Dynasty startup draft since the draft has ended. We have landing spots for rookies. Um, give it some time for ADP to hopefully update. And then we're going to go see like what we like for a Dynasty startup. We'll probably do like 20 rounds because those things can go like 40 rounds. We'll just get our starting lineup, a couple bench players figured out, talk you through our picks. That'll be coming up soon. Hope you all are looking forward to that. Um, yeah. Enjoy your weekend. Uh, take care of yourselves. And on one more note, um, if you all listened last week, my mom was diagnosed with skin cancer in May is Skin Cancer Awareness Month. So I just want to encourage you if you have any spots, um, get them checked out because I mean, this is pretty scary for myself and my mom. So um. just be mindful skin cancer is one of the most common forms of cancer in the world maybe the most common just because it's so easy to get we're all outside well this is special summer coming up so um just be careful wear your sunscreen um get your spots checked out and yeah just act quickly proactively instead of waiting for for years so um yeah take care of yourselves hope you guys enjoyed the episode We'll see you guys next time peace